the ability to shift through the mound of the, all the atoms that are the data in our weave. Would you consider Quill a layer two? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Quill, the actual like state of your database, it's held on separate nodes that you can think of them as sitting above the Arweave network, somewhat similar to a gateway. How can Quill and RIO work together? The only people solving this in the way we need are RIO, or is RIO. But so RIO, you know, it's very useful for finding bits of data in Arweave's entire ocean of data. And RIO is very useful for finding small bits of that ocean or sections of that ocean and using that for your application. Quill is, it, I don't think it's entirely accurate, but maybe taking that one step further where we can actually take data and package it into these building blocks that you can then, you know, put on top of each other and combine with each other to build entire structures. You're tuned to the RCast, where we talk about the blockchain on the RCast and how your data remains the RCast, where R-Drive is the topic, censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Hey friends, welcome to episode 36 of the RCast with Brennan Lamy the founder of Quill. In case you missed it, we've uploaded all the Permapalooza videos from Consensus 2023 onto our YouTube channel, and they're also permanently stored on our weave through our drive. So you can dive into this wealth of knowledge and hear Phil's talk. You can hear Tom's talk. You can hear Brennan's talk. You can hear the panel I did with Sam and Hannah from Mask and Eraser from 7X if you go to youtube.com slash at r-io or permanently at permapalooza.rweave.dev. If you want to stay in the loop with everything going on with the REO launch, please join the newsletter. You could be the first to hear about joining the REO network of gateways and just be in the loop on everything. So sign up. You can go to the bottom of r.io and there's this little sign up button there. You can also join the RNS pilot program at r.io slash rns and we're thrilled to announce the launch of our brand new documentation portal for r drive so you can find everything you need to know about the r drive cli core js and the rw file system at docs.rdrive.io your go-to resource for all things r drive so let's dive into it this is my interview with brennan lamey Hi friends, welcome back to the Rcast. We got a really cool guest, Brennan Lamy, who founded Quill. And he's an interesting dude who's doing a lot of really cool things in the Rweave ecosystem. I've wanted to have him on the Rcast for a while, and we just had a really fun event in Austin. So Brennan, welcome to the Rcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You live in Austin, right? I do, yes. But you grew up in Boise? Yeah, Boise, Idaho. What was your first exposure to the internet as a kid in Idaho? I'm sure it was Google, but the first one I remember was Webkins. It was a little game where you would have pets, like these virtual pets, and you could play it with your friends. I remember this, one of our friends got us on it when we were five years old, and that was the first time I really used the internet by myself. Having a young mindset with gaming makes it easy to think about, okay, what's possible to do in this digital sphere? Minecraft is known for being very extensible. There's a huge modding community around it. And because I was on Mac, I had to figure out how to install a lot of like the mods for the game myself. It was mostly made for Windows. And so that kind of threw me into a lot of the basics of computers at a pretty young age and got me really interested in them. 
Minecraft was a helpful part of your career, maybe. Oh, certainly. You can uh, you can build like full computer circuits in Minecraft and like the first cool engineering stuff I did before I ever had any sort of engineering, even in, in school, was in Minecraft. And so I think within reason, there, there's probably some value in them. Something interesting about Minecraft is like the aesthetics are very DIY and it's like the blocks. You literally see the blocks, right? Like uh, you could even say there's a chain of blocks that you're building in Minecraft. You're an engineer, you're a dev. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about your journey from being a kid growing up, going to college, being at USC and then launching Quill. During COVID, I took a gap year from school. I was taking mechanical engineering at USC. And uh, it was in this gap year, I like full-time internship, but it, I, I don't think it was really interesting to me. And so I spent a lot of my time doing things that I thought were interesting, which were mostly related to computer programming. And I would, literally what I would do is I would just choose something that I thought was cool and I would just go build something with it. And so actually I played with, the, I guess it's not the OG, but I played with GPT-2 before GPT was popular. I played with like GPT-2 trying to make sort of my own version of what now is ChatGPT. But that was like one of the original things I did. I spent a lot of time on that one. And I built a couple other applications. The, how I got into Web3 was one day on my lunch break at this internship, I was a little bored. Work was a little slow that day because I was an intern. And so I went to Barnes & Noble and I just walked in and I saw a book on Solidity, which is used for making smart contracts on Ethereum. And so I was like, oh, that looks cool. I know nothing about Ethereum. And so I bought that book and I started making a few smart contracts. And that was how I got into Web3. I then, I wanted to build a messaging application. And in particular, I wanted to incentivize serving data in places where you're otherwise disincentivized to serve it. So think like non-Western countries. And I wanted to incentivize serving data for a messaging application with like the end goal of uncensorability. Now, I needed a place to store that data. It was really expensive to do that on Ethereum. There was an article comparing, I think it was like Filecoin and Sia, and it gave a special shout out to Arweave at the bottom. And it was like, oh, you pay once and it stores forever. And I was like, oh, that seems way better for what I need to do. And I found my way into Arweave that way. This was a little over two years ago at this point. And I spent the next year building that social messaging application and in order to build that, we had to build some pretty interesting data infrastructure for that. And we ended up just making that data infrastructure our product instead. And that is now Quill the Database. When I interview people on the RCAST, I love to know about the names they came up with for their projects. So Quill, because it's like the pen, the Quill and the pen, like you would write as messaging, or what's the genesis of the company's name? Yeah, that, that is correct. So it started as Ecclesia, which is like a Greek word. So originally I wanted to do Agora, which interesting, interestingly enough, there was a project named Argora that came up later in the Arweave ecosystem. But wow. I wanted to do Agora because the Agora was like the town square for Greek communities. And I thought that had some really cool ties to freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Unfortunately, I, I we did not end up doing Agora, just the, like the IP rights. I like, looked at the IP rights, too hard to get that. But there was Ecclesia, which literally translates to church, but more commonly used to reference also like meeting places and like town halls. And so the social, we originally called it Ecclesia. And we actually, we rebranded to Quill for the social. It, it was still very writing based. But it was shortly after that we rebranded, or not rebranded, we pivoted to just doing the data infrastructure for that. But we kept the name Quill because it was equally as applicable. And act actually, interestingly enough, 
one of the most popular traditional SQL databases in the, in the world. It's called SQLite. It's like a logo is also Quill. Oh, cool. uh, just complete. This is before we did databases, but yeah. So yeah, that was how we chose those two names. The preservation of language reflects the history of our culture. And you think of the word agoraphobic, right? Be, be, not wanting to go out in public. That must come from the Greek, not wanting to be in the town square. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't thought of that, but it must be. The words we choose in the stories we tell and how we tell them is like one continued database. And that's what's so interesting about our weave is that it protects the whole history. So you can not only see why things are named that, but how we've documented resources and how things are connected. Decentralized databases. Let's talk about connections with the new, with Quill version two. Yeah. So databases, so there are a lot of different types of databases and technically blockchains are databases, but when people, when people talk about databases, they don't usually mean blockchains. They're, they really have in mind more traditional database functionality. And the type of database we are building, it's called a relational database or a SQL database or SQL database. And it stores data. It's called structured data, but it stores it in tables. And so visually, you can think of this like an Excel spreadsheet, but you have rows and columns, and there's a language called SQL, and it reads like plain English, and it allows you to cut up all of the rows and columns of, this, of these spreadsheets. They're not really spreadsheets, but you can conceptually think of them like that. But it allows you to cut up all the rows and columns and combine them in new and interesting ways or split them apart and merge them and look through them super efficiently to get new insights or to look at pieces of valuable data or really anything else. And yeah, that's, that's like what a relational database does. And we are bringing that to our weave. And so I think a good model for our weave would be, it's like a, it's like a folder on your computer. You can dump a ton of stuff in there. And if you know where you put it, you can come and get it later. Uh, but if, you know, there, you can't structure this into tables and there isn't really an efficient way to look through it. There's just one way to look through it, which is you look through all of it till you find what you need. And actually, this is where we get into where RIO comes in to actually indexing the data that is on our weave. Quill doesn't index data on our weave. You store data in these tables directly on Quill. But yeah, that's kind of like what we're doing and where it fits into the decentralized data tools more broadly. The ability to shift through the mound of the all the atoms that are the data in our weave. Would you consider Quill a layer two? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Quill, the actual like state of your database, it's held on separate nodes that you can think of them as sitting above the Arweave network, somewhat similar to a gateway. How can Quill and RIO work together? The only people solving this in the way we need are RIO, or is RIO. But so RIO, yeah, it's very useful for finding bits of data and Arweave's entire ocean of data. And RIO is very useful for finding small bits of that ocean or sections of that ocean and using that for your application. Quill is, I don't think it's entirely accurate, but maybe taking that one step further where we can actually take data and package it into these building blocks that you can then you know put on top of each other and combine with each other to build entire structures but i would generally say that quill is farther up the stack than rio so rio its entire responsibility is having a comprehensive view of our weave and where that data lives and when somebody needs to access some data it can tell them hey this is where you're going to go and find it quill it is much more useful for applications where they already generally know what data is going to be accessible from their application. They need maybe more complex functionality for searching through that, 
but at the trade-off of not being able to access anything that exists in Arweave. It's a bit more contained within their application. How we actually got got down the rabbit hole, this might be generally applicable, and it. it's probably the easiest example we have. When we were building the social, we were trying to build follower relationships. So I follow you on this decentralized social, and then you can... Not only can I see everyone I follow, you can also see everybody who follows you. And that's the hard part. Building directly on Arweave or on the Arweave gateway, it would be very easy to say, all right, this is everybody I follow. But it's really hard to see who follows me. You just, you can't really make that relationship and search through that quickly to get that within an application. Just the way that Arweave indexing works, it's just near impossible to do that on the base Arweave protocol. Or I would even say at the gateway level, at least as it exists right now. And so how that is usually handled is with databases and some more specific databases, either graph or SQL databases for that particular use case. But when, I'll try to find the best way to explain this, when we we're building directly on Arweave and using an Arweave gateway to get all of our data, you would store who you follow as a list. So you say, this is everybody I follow. If you go and follow someone else, you take your list that's on Arweave, you add one more to it. If I want to know who follows me, that means I need to know about everybody else's list. And I need to go and search through everybody's list to see who has me in their list. But in a database, we don't need that. In a database, you can have what's called a join table. And this essentially allows there to be one place where I follow you, but similarly, like it's really easy for you to go and see everybody who follows you as well. So how that works, and this is a, like a little bit of an abstraction, but imagine Excel spreadsheets where there are two columns and in those columns, there is the person following someone and who they're following. And so you can either say, give me everybody in the follower column where the person that they are following equals this or the other way around. And so this allows you to really efficiently look through that data and find the correct result. You're basically essentially building structure around this data and making it easier to have access to because that was something that was a theme in Permapalooza was speed. The only the way for things to be adopted is to make them efficient. I think you made the point that like if people have to wait forever, it's they're going to be less likely to adopt Arweave, for example. Absolutely. And this was actually something we saw for us. So this was a slightly different part of our decentralized social, <clears throat> but it was like getting a user's feed. So getting everybody you follow and then getting the posts for them and getting the 10 most recent posts or the 20 most recent posts of every person or amongst everybody you follow. That's different for every user. And so doing that just like on the gateway level, that would take us like 15 to 20 seconds to perform. And that would actually only get worse over time. Obviously nobody's going to use an application that has a load time like that. And so we were able to get that down to below one second because we were storing data in this structured storage that allowed us to look up quick. I mean, it allowed us to look up what we needed quicker. And also it allowed us to not look through what we did not need. So one of the primary reasons why we first built Quill, the database, was so that we could have much better lookup speeds on our social application. When they invented the MP3 technology, they figured out algorithmically what sounds your ear didn't listen to, and they took it out of the WAV file, and they were able to compress it in a way that made it more efficient. Figuring out what's needed and what's not, essentially. Like that's, it seems like that's one of Quill's main cool things it does, huh? At its core, a relational database, its job is to store data with some guarantees on how that data gets stored and then super efficiently find that. And you want to find that in the most efficient way possible. And that isn't necessarily true for something like Arweave, whose job it is to just 
store data horizontally at about the same price, no matter how much data is stored. As someone who studied smart contracts and smart weave, what would you say is the main difference between an Ethereum smart contract and smart weave? Let's compare our weave to Ethereum, right? Our weave, it doesn't actually do computation on the network, right? It does some, but not for the, it doesn't do business logic on the network. It just stores data, it retrieves that data. Ethereum, when you are interacting with an Ethereum smart contract, you're doing some mathematical operations. Say you are, I'm subtracting 10 tokens from my balance and I'm adding 10 tokens to yours. Every node in the Ethereum network has to do that operation. They have to do that calculation and then they get an end result and that is what they store on their, on their nodes. And so when you're doing an action on the Ethereum network, all of the nodes are executing this. Um, on our weave, our weave doesn't even have execution. So if we want smart contracts, we can't do it that way. And so they had this really novel idea of, I believe they call it lazy evaluation, where you go and you execute a smart contract the first time and you say, all right, this is my result. And now if I want to add my own result, I have to recompute your answer. And if I got the right answer, then I'm allowed to put my answer. And then when somebody else wants to come and interact with that after I do, they have to show that they got the same answers that you got and that I got in order to add theirs onto the end. And so in this way, let's say, let's move past like general arithmetic and let's move to something like a machine learning model. So in the case of Ethereum, if you're running a machine learning model, every node on that network is going to have to run the entire machine learning model, which is very expensive. In our week, there still are some expense concerns, but they're a lot less. And this even gets better when we get into like caching of smart weave state. But uh, this gets even better where if you can execute some, some machine learning model in a smart contract, and then I can go, I have to recompute that, but then I get to add on my own as well. And so in that instance, you know, there are less people that have to do these calculations than there are in the Ethereum model. Now, there are some, there's some trade-offs here, and there are also ways around those trade-offs. But generally, that's how I think of the technical implementation differences. I'm also going to say I'm not an expert on really either of those, but that is like my somewhat high-level understanding. Does Quill incorporate SmartWeave with the database management? Right now, Quill does not incorporate SmartWeave with the database management. So Quill it acts as a layer two on top of Rweave. And it works like the Ethereum model. So if you're changing some data on Quill, there are some computations that have to occur. And it has to, every node in the network has to do those. They have to do that when it happens. And then they don't really have to do that again. Or There are some in instances that they do. I won't really go into that. But uh, yeah, it, it works a little bit more like the Ethereum model. I think when it comes down to which one you want, it really depends on the application you're building. In the case of a relational database, we determined that that model was what worked best for a relational database. And so that's why we chose it. Something that exists with Quill is that there's there's generally a lot of rights or relatively a lot of rights to the network. And so if we used SmartWeave, each time you want to add one, you're going to have to go and recompute all of those previous ones. And relational databases are pretty computationally intensive or relatively computationally intensive. And so that would get pretty unscalable pretty quickly. And so that's why we went for the more traditional. Now, that's not true for that's not true for other applications built on SmartWeave. It's very specific to relational databases. What advice would you give for people 
organizations who want to incorporate Quill and build on Arweave. Yeah, yeah. And when you build on Quill, you're not a, you're not a client of Quill. You are an extension of Quill, and Quill is an extension of you. I think that's just generally true for Web3 protocols. The whole thing about a protocol is that nobody owns it. Neither of us own Arweave, but similarly, Sam, who founded Arweave, also does not own Arweave. Nobody owns these protocols. They plug into your application, and they just they function as they function. And so I would say that is just like generally a very important aspect of permissionless applications. I would say for people that are looking to use Quill or incorporate Quill into their application, the number one thing I mean I would recommend is reach out to me. Like we want to help. Obviously, if you don't want to reach out to me, if you're gun shy or anything else, then read our docs. We have some really awesome tutorials. We have some tutorial videos, some tutorial blogs. But we want to help you beyond just getting data stored for your product. Because you are an extension of us, your success holistically is our priority. Whatever that means for you, we want to help you achieve that. Now, in most cases, that does mean helping you store and look at data efficiently. But there, there might be other cases as well. And yeah, we want to help in whatever way possible. And so come find us. Yeah, we want people to come. We want them to extend our code. We want them, if it sucks, come tell us it sucks. Are there any upcoming features or developments that users can look forward to? Generally access control. So people that need unique types of access control for reading and writing data. If you're building a DAP that is creating valuable data and you need the value of that data to accrue to your token, this is like where we're building a lot of pretty interesting features on Quill. I, this is actually true for a lot of data that's important for traders, people that are where time really matters for them. A lot of the data that they purchase is only valuable in the first minute or five minutes of when they purchase it. And after that, it's not really super valuable. Maybe 95% of the value of that single piece of data exists within the first five minutes that data itself exists. And so obviously the security of this is not, the security requirements are not the same as a top secret system, but we can still harness a lot and capture a lot of the value of this data on Quill and not only just capture that value, but have it accrue to your token. So if you are building a DAO and it's producing valuable data, we can help to capture that and make sure that your community is getting value for what they created. Where can people learn more about Quill? Just go to our main website, quill.com, K-W-I-L.com. Then if you are looking to get started with Quill, I would point you to docs.quill.com, which contains our docs, as well as we have an in-browser IDE for building Quill databases. You don't have to download anything. You don't have to install any VS Code plugins. You don't even really have to be a developer. If you're like a business analyst in NoSQL, I'm very confident you could get this figured out in our in-browser IDE. And so all it is ide.quill.com. Those are probably, yeah, if you're looking to either collaborate or to start getting, to start building with Quill, those are probably the best places to, to start. If anyone wants to get in touch with you directly, do you hit people back? My Twitter is probably the easiest one. It's just Brennan underscore Lamy. Or if you DM Quill on Twitter, it's just Quill team. Yeah, if you we're a small team, we're a seven-person team, and so if you find a way to get in contact with Quill, I'll certainly I'll certainly hear about it, and I'll, I'm more than happy to jump on a call. You've built a really cool asset for Arweave, so that's what's up. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's really been a pleasure. Cool dude, doing interesting things, and a great teacher. So uh, be sure to check out Quill and learn more, and let's get building. We'll see you next week for episode 37 with David Phelps who you may have seen on one of the panels at Arweave Day in Denver. And uh, I can't wait to talk to him. So we'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. Know before you stow. I'm Andrew. This has been the Rcast.